This is it. This is the thing. This is this is what I've been waiting for. A chance to be uncomfortable, to be genuinely uncomfortable and to get used to that. Getting discomfortable with crazy people. A few years ago, I was on the subway, and the woman sitting across from me was rifling through her bag kind of frantically as if she had lost something important. And I noticed that on the ground in front of her was what looked like some kind of bus transfer or ticket. So I got up and I picked it up and I said, is this what you're looking for? And she grabbed it and was like, no. And then she crumpled it up and threw it back onto the ground. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Before I could say anything, the woman sitting beside me was like, pick it up. And then the woman sitting across from me started yelling, don't fucking tell me what to do. Everyone on the subway went silent. And it was like, oh, okay, so this person's crazy. What does it mean when we decide that someone is, quote-unquote, crazy? Crazy is such a meaningless word. It basically refers to anyone who is obviously not obeying social norms. Is this woman crazy? Probably not. I mean, crazy implies some kind of mental illness. There's no way for me to know what was going on in this woman's mind. She looked like an otherwise completely quote-unquote normal person. So when we call someone crazy, all we really mean is they weren't acting in the way that people are supposed to act. It seemed to me like this woman sitting across from me was almost yelling as a, as a tactic. It wasn't necessarily that she was mentally unstable in some way. It was that she knew that by yelling, she would frighten most people away, that she would essentially have a, a form of power. And it worked. It worked on me. I was immediately flooded with embarrassment. Uh, like, I just, I went red, and and it was sort of like shame in a way. I just wanted to not exist. I just wanted to disappear. I mean, normally in instances like that, I would look for a way to just leave the situation, but leave the situation without admitting that I was leaving because I was afraid or uncomfortable. So probably at the next stop, I would have just acted like that was my stop and gotten off and then gotten on the next train. But since I've been trying to practice getting comfortable with discomfort, whenever I feel that flood of shame or shock or emotion, I remind myself, oh, this is good. This is what I want. Don't run from this. Stay in it. So I didn't go anywhere. I just sat there and I kept looking at the woman across from me as she continued to rifle through her bag. And then the woman beside me got up picked the litter off the ground, and threw it at the first woman. And I was like, wow, this woman is way more fearless than I am. That isn't to say that I agree that 
throwing garbage at someone is the right thing to do. I was just impressed that she had the nerve to do it. Because though though I was still there, it was taking all my energy just to sit there and do nothing and not run away. I guess both of us got hit with a bit of fight or flight. Our limbic systems came online and I wanted to flight and the woman beside me wanted to fight. And it was clear that the woman sitting across from me, the one who had originally yelled, was also afraid. Because she wasn't yelling anymore. Basically, the woman beside me had called the woman across from me's bluff. And she got off the train. She did not, however, take the garbage with her. A few stops later, it was my actual stop to get off. And the woman beside me also got off. And as we were walking up the stairs, I looked at her and I said, You're a badass. And she just sort of gave me this cold, dead stare and then walked away. And I was like, cool, gotta go. Since then, I've been practicing getting comfortable with the discomfort of being around someone, almost always on the subway, who people might call crazy. Someone who is talking to themselves or yelling or pacing or just any kind of behavior that is atypical. It's interesting how uncomfortable we get when someone doesn't act in the normal, socially prescribed way. I think the feeling is that if someone is willing to put themselves outside of cultural norms, they can't be trusted. If they're willing to talk to themselves in front of people, something that we all do behind closed doors, but if they're willing to do it on the subway... Who knows what they're capable of? They, they might murder us. Really, like, that's the logic of it. I think a lot of these people don't realize that they are behaving outside of social norms for whatever reason. It may be a mental health issue or it may simply be a disinterest in following along with the shame that keeps the rest of us acting and behaving normally. If we lived in a society that had no taboo around talking to yourself, then people talking out loud to themselves on the subway would be no big deal. In fact, now that we all have earphones in, it looks like people are just constantly talking to themselves, but because they're wearing an earphone and presumably there is someone listening on the other line, we don't get afraid because that is normal. That is allowed. And when I sit on the subway right beside this person acting in an unusual way, I've discovered that... The initial hit of discomfort is the scariest part. You just get hit by this fight-or-flight reflex, this wave of emotion, this flood that makes my face go red and it makes me feel like I might start crying. But if you don't let that initial wave of panic control you, you discover that you can breathe underwater. When I get hit with that kind of emotion, it really does feel like I am submerged, like I am drowning, and I just need to get out of there in order to get some air. But I discover that if I sit there, I can actually open my eyes, I can still see, and then I take a deep breath and I realize that though I feel like I'm drowning in emotion, I can still breathe. And after a minute or two, I calm down and that emotion slowly ebbs away 
and I realize that I am still in control of myself and I am okay and the situation isn't nearly as scary as my knee-jerk limbic reaction wants me to think it is, and I actually have all kinds of options about how to actually react in a constructive way. So for me, a big part of getting discomfortable is learning how to power through the initial hit of discomfort and learning how to navigate discomfort and, and how to master it so that I can react to these situations and still maintain my integrity and my values. Getting comfortable with discomfort is the first step in overcoming fear. The initial wave of shock and panic and emotion is actually much scarier than what is on the other side once you normalize that feeling. So courage to me is about practicing moving through that wave, that initial dunk into emotion and discovering that I can sit beside someone who's acting in an atypical way. And it's okay. It's no big deal. They're not actually hurting anyone. A lot of the stigma that comes with people behaving in irregular ways or with obvious mental illness is the fact that we aren't comfortable with the discomfort it causes us. It's our instincts saying, "Uh uh-oh, something's not normal, somebody's not buying into the rules that you have agreed to, that society has laid out, that everyone has tacitly committed to. This person could do anything. They're capable of of any behavior. Anything could happen. They're they're completely off the grid. They're, They're completely out of control. But that may not be the case. They may just be atypical in one way. Or someone may have just decided that they don't want to follow along with certain rules. That doesn't mean that they're out of control or they're going to hurt you in some way. They may just be a free thinker. When you start working on shame you discover that a lot of shame is what causes us to follow the implicit rules of society. Because if we break them, we will feel shame. We will feel rejected. We will feel that no one will want to connect with us or love us. So shame is a really great tool for society to keep all of us in line. And once you start demystifying shame, you discover that in some ways... You don't agree with all of the rules and etiquette that society is forcing down your throat. Maybe you just feel like singing to yourself. Maybe it makes you feel good. Or humming or tapping your toes. The shame that would normally stop you from doing that, you just reject it. You're like, no, I don't agree. And then you realize suddenly, I am the crazy person. I am the weirdo. I am the person that people don't want to sit beside. That is my punishment breaking free from shame. Obviously, it's extremely useful to understand what normal behavior is. It's extremely useful to know the etiquette, to know the social rules, because that is how you can function in a way in society where you can predict more or less how other people will react. And that's what they want in return. They want to be able to predict what you will do so that we can all get along. So if you're running a business, 
you're going to want to understand how a customer will react if you act one way or another way. And it's important to kind of follow the etiquette that your customers are expecting, or you might frighten them away. Just because you've broken through shame, it doesn't mean you have to completely lose touch with the shared intersubjective reality that we all cooperate in together. There are times when you can decide that it's not worth it, or it's actually not helpful, or something like that. It's up to you to decide those moments where you are going to go against the grain because it's important to you. That being said, though I am a big fan of discomfort, that's my whole thing. I recognize that it's not really my place to force other people to be uncomfortable. It's a decision that they have to make for themselves. I certainly want to invite people to join me in discomfort and to try to breathe underwater and discover that it's not as scary as it looks. But I don't want to actively make people uncomfortable because, in a way, maybe that's a form of aggression. And as inspired by one of my favorite Buddhist thinkers, Pema Chodron, I don't want to put any more aggression into the world than there already is. I am always trying to find a way to interact and react that doesn't add any aggression to a situation. It's extremely difficult, but not impossible. So now I'm actually kind of on the lookout for situations that make me uncomfortable. Instead of running from them, I keep reminding myself, "Oh, this is it. This is the thing. This is this is practice. This is what I've been waiting for—a chance to be uncomfortable, to be genuinely uncomfortable, and to get used to that." And it's kind of inspiring. Instead of having courage to do something I'm afraid of, I've made it into a kind of game almost, where it's like, "Oh, that would be a really scary thing to do. I don't want to do it." But I recognize that getting comfortable with discomfort is super important and an incredible way to build strength. So I got to do it, and then it becomes like this exciting challenge. I've got to go do that extremely scary thing, whatever the path of the most resistance. That's the exciting challenge. I got to do that. That's going to make me stronger. And since I've done so much work to demystify shame, even if by doing that I'm making a terrible mistake. That's okay, because mistakes are okay when you don't live in a world of shame. Shame says you are your mistakes, but when you realize that isn't true, you're happy to make mistakes. Mistakes are a great way to learn. So everything gets flipped on its head. What scares you is an exciting thing, and a mistake is an exciting thing. And it's not like you have to go out and put yourself in all these sketchy situations. Fear comes to you. Just walking onto a subway is potentially scary. Just riding a bus is scary. Interacting with any other human in any other way is scary. Replying to people on Twitter is scary. I am actually using my Twitter account to try to get into arguments because arguments make me super uncomfortable. I hate confrontation, especially in a public sphere like Twitter, where everyone is sort of watching. But it's such great practice to disagree with someone online, to try to embody my values of pointing out where I think they are wrong in a way that is non-aggressive. And Twitter is so aggressive. People are so rude on there. People will constantly 
say the most demeaning things when they disagree with you. You idiot. You fool. You don't get it. You're brain dead. There's so many insults on Twitter. And my first reaction is always wrong. I pretty much get a message, think, ooh, this is how I'm going to respond. And then I stop and I say, okay, that is 100% aggressive and way outside of my values. And then I have to take a break and rethink, okay, how can I respond to this person? How can I get my point across? How can I try to change their mind? And in that process, embody my values of non-aggression. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. Once again, you just have to wait out that immediate hit of emotion, move through it, get comfortable with the discomfort of it, and then go back to your values. Okay, what is my real intention in this communication? No, it is not to make this person look like a fool. No, it is not to quote-unquote win the argument. I simply need to get across what my point was in relation to theirs. I don't always get it right, admittedly, and sometimes I do try too hard to win or to look good instead of being completely honest. But if you want to follow along with my Twitter exploits, you can search Discomfortable. It's spelt incorrectly. In fact, I can't even remember what my Twitter handle is, but if you search Discomfortable, you'll see the logo pop up. And also, feel free to get into an argument with me. I would love to have more practice arguing. I would love to have more practice with confrontation. I would love to have more practice looking bad on the internet or in person, being embarrassed, being wrong, losing an argument. All of those things are completely okay. It's just the emotion attached that fucks with you. The more I can get used to that feeling, the less I will act outside of my integrity and lose sight of my values in order to save face. And now, a message from our sponsor. This episode of Discomfortable is brought to you by the Toronto Transit Commission. I don't mean that they actually paid me money or that they endorsed this podcast in any way, shape, or form. I just mean that without them, none of this would have ever happened. The TTC has been bringing people together in uncomfortable and socially anxious ways for over 90 years. So for an unlimited time, go to ttc.ca and put in the promo code DISCOMFORTABLE to receive absolutely nothing. Shortly after recording this episode, I got into an argument with my mother at the dinner table in front of the whole family. And (laughs) I was kind of surprised and disappointed because I've been doing so much learning about nonviolent communication, about controlling my emotions and, and interacting with other people and getting comfortable with my negative feelings. But in this argument, all of that went completely out the window, and I just found myself acting like a bratty kid. The urge in that moment was to prove that I was right and that she was wrong, and to prove that I was completely blameless and everything was her fault. It goes to show that no matter how much intellectual work you do, as soon as you are hooked on an emotion, you are a completely different person. And that relates to this episode because I think that to master these situations means getting comfortable and getting familiar with being emotionally hooked. No matter how much training you have in debate, it doesn't matter when 
the actual debate makes you feel so emotional, so afraid, or so angry, or so defensive, or so much shame that you lose your control of your brain, and it goes down to a kind of more lizard brain emotional level. And it's like a different version of yourself with completely different programming and knowledge is suddenly at the reins. So it made me realize that it's not just important to get into uncomfortable situations on the subway and normalizing that discomfort. It's important to get used to being emotionally turned on as much as possible because in any really important or dramatic situation, we will almost certainly be emotionally turned on. And we need to understand who we are and how we operate in that heightened or, should I say, lowered mindset. Rational, logical AJ is one thing, but who is emotional AJ? What are his go-to tactics? What are his knee-jerk reactions? What, what, what is it like being that version of AJ? Because honestly, that is the AJ who's probably going to end up making most of the important decisions in my life when I'm in a dramatic or intense situation, some kind of confrontation or any kind of interaction with another human being where emotions are involved. So on the one hand, on a kind of mindfulness side, I want to keep working on not being controlled by my emotions, understanding them, learning how to rise above them. But on the other hand, I want to practice being emotional. I want to practice being emotionally turned on or being emotionally hooked, whatever you want to call it, such that I get comfortable with that, with that filter over my brain. It's very similar to the breathing underwater analogy. It's like, how do I operate when I'm flooded with certain emotions so that I can figure out how to connect those scenarios more to my intellect once again? Or is that even possible? Maybe what it really is is learning to say, oh, 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 I'm emotionally hooked. We need to stop this conversation right now. We need to take a five-minute timeout, and then we can come back and have this exact conversation, but not when I am feeling emotionally hooked, because you're not really talking to AJ anymore. You're talking to a petty, petulant, self-involved, 12-year-old version of AJ. But how do we do that? How do we put ourselves in situations where we're going to feel emotional? I, I think the answer is by being more honest, by having difficult conversations, by bringing up uncomfortable topics. It's up to us to start these moments of emotion and then see how we feel. And if we need to pull back or if we need to take a time out, we can. But the ball is always in our court to have an emotionally honest kind of confrontation or discussion. Because all of this work I'm doing will be for nothing if when it's really needed, I can't access it because I'm a different person being controlled by different forces that I'm not used to. <laughs>